You know, I thought this week how life is like a journey, and our life is filled with, I guess you call mundane events that we don't really remember. But then interspersed are what I call pivotal events. They're major intersections that we choose a direction. And I guess if you compare this to a uh, maybe a highway, you're on a trip, uh, those mile markers, every mile, that would be the mundane events. You don't really think a lot about those mile markers. It just zip by. You might notice them every once in a while. But then all of a sudden you come to a major intersection and you have to choose which way you're going to go. And the direction you take at those major intersections will determine the course and where you end up. Well, our life is like that. We go through events in our life. And those major pivotal events, they determine our life. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a journey with the children of Israel through the wilderness... And we're going to learn, I believe, what God had to say to them, but also to us. Uh, Just a little bit of history. How did they get to the point of going through the wilderness? Well, remember Joseph was down in Egypt. And Joseph was raised to a position of leadership in Egypt. And he had his father, Jacob, and his brothers come and live there. And They came as invited guests. There was a famine where they were from, so they were glad to come. And they came and they gave them the best land, the best place. They were invited. They were treated like royal guests. But, you know, here's the interesting thing. After Joseph and Jacob died and they were gone, all the descendants stayed there. And it wasn't long before they were in slavery. One Pharaoh after another put them into bondage. And they were there for 400 years. And when I realized that particular part, I I thought, you know, that's just like sin. We welcome those little sins into our life and they're invited guests. But before we know it, we're now in bondage. We're a slave to the very thing that we invited into our life. And then God sent a deliverer, Moses. Moses was going to show them out of, out of Egypt and into the promised land. And Jesus is our deliverer. He has given us a way to enter into God's promises, to know Him and to know God's ways. He is the door, the way into life. And so it's interesting How what started out, and you remember how it began, and that was they had the ten plagues. And on the tenth plague, it was the plague of the firstborn. And on that tenth plague, Pharaoh opened the doors and they came out of Egypt. That was just the beginning. And what was going to be a ten to fifteen day journey ended into a forty year journey. Because they refused to go into the promised land. Because they said the giants are too big. You know, the problem wasn't the size of the giants. The the problem was the size of their God in their mind. They believed the giants were too big. But they also believed God was not big enough 
to handle the problems they faced. In reality, they were not ready for the promised land. And so they began a 40-year journey through this wilderness. And I can identify 10 major events through this trek, through the wilderness. And each one of these, I believe God wants to speak to us, His people. And why would I want to look at those experiences and say that God is trying to say something to us? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and we'll see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 6, it says this, These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scripture says, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did. It sounds like, uh, verse 7, sounds like they had Mardi Gras back then. The feasting and the drinkery and, and the pagan... And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. And then verse 9, Nor should we put Christ to the test as some of them did and died from snake bite. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. Look at verse 11. These things happen to them as what? As examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Isn't it amazing? That God would cause events and circumstances to happen almost 4,000 years before in order to speak to us, the church. That God wanted to speak something to you. He wanted to show you something about who he was. And so he caused events to happen. And we're going to look at the very first event that I believe God wants to speak to us. I call it the bitter water. And we're going to look at this. It's in Exodus chapter 15. We're going to read verse 22 to 27. And this describes the first event. It says, Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. They moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. So they call the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. And it was there at Mara that the Lord set before them. The following decree is a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who healed you. And after leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elim, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there beside the water. Interesting story. The water at Marah was bitter. And it speaks something clearly to us. Number one, God uses adversity 
to cleanse us of bitterness. God uses adversity to cleanse us from bitterness. You see, these were a people who had struggled and bondage and slavery. Everyone around them served false gods. They had a slave mentality. And they were always under the bondage that comes from slavery. And so they, their mentality had been tainted. They had a hard time remembering the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had a hard time understanding and remembering who God really was. And they had a lot of bitterness. When you go through bondage, there's a lot of bitterness. When someone is over you and tells you what to do, there's a lot of bitterness. In fact, all of us on this journey through life, we will all have opportunities to have bitterness. None of us are exempt. We will all have pivotal events where we have the opportunity to be bitter. What is bitterness? Bitterness is suppressed anger and unfulfilled revenge. We didn't get what we wanted. It didn't happen the way we wanted it. They hurt us. They said all kinds of things about us. It didn't work out like I wanted it to. They didn't act the way I wanted them to act. They didn't say what I wanted them to say. And I'm angry about that. And then instead of dealing with it, we swallow it. And when you swallow it, it becomes a poison that begins a rotting process on the inside. We literally, spiritually, we rot on the inside. And you might ask, okay, well, why in the world do we hide it? Because that's the unique factor of bitterness. It's well hidden for a while. We actually become pretty good at acting pretty spiritual and acting like a Christian. And we hide that bitterness. So if you ask, okay, why in the world do we hide it? Well, the best reason I can give you is that is we know open anger is wrong. And it doesn't look spiritual. You know, beat somebody's head in. Slap them upside the head. We don't want to, you know, come off as, you know totally angry and just beat them up. So instead of doing that, because that looks unspiritual, we swallow it. Instead of dealing with it the way we should deal with it. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. How do you deal with bitterness? But first you have to get a picture. God saw the bitterness in their hearts. He saw that these were people who were filled with anger and bitterness and resentment, rage, anger. And one way you can tell, and that is how quickly they changed. Because if you back up just a few verses, they're all singing and dancing with the tambourine, saying, oh, praise God, the Lord has delivered us from the Egyptians The horse and rider is thrown into the sea. We just made it through the Red Sea on dry ground. Oh, hallelujah. And they were dancing and Miriam had the tambourine and they were just shouting all over the place. And just a few verses later, now they're complaining. 
And they're ready to turn against Moses. I thought to myself, how quickly people forget. And that's what bitterness does. It jumps up and it comes out. We hide it well, but then it comes out. And God purposefully put them at a place with bitter water. Don't tell me God could not have put them in a place where it was good water. He could have. The water could have been perfect. They were thirsty. They had been looking for water for three days. He could have led them to a place that had beautiful, clear spring water. But he didn't because he intentionally wanted them to see the bitterness of their own heart. He wanted to show them that there was bitterness in their heart. What they were tasting was a reflection of what was in their own heart. And so God was working. And God will bring you to places of adversity to show you the bitterness of your heart. Some of you are going through adversity right now. Some of you are going through difficulties and pain, heartache. And a lot of times we... We put that suppressed anger in because we feel like we've suffered an injustice. Someone's done us wrong. And sometimes that someone is God. God, why did you let that happen? Why did you take that person? Why did this person do that? Why did you let that person hurt me the way they hurt me? And so we get angry at God and we know that's not real spiritual. So instead we swallow it. Now it becomes bitterness. And it begins to eat away on the inside. You know, I I thought to myself about Job. You see it in the first chapter of Job. I'm not going to turn there, but I just want to remind you what happened to Job. Job had three major catastrophes in his life. And they all happened one right after the other. And they always had a messenger to come bring in the bad news. Remember that? And the end result of those three catastrophes, he lost all of his worldly goods, all of his livestock, nearly all of his children, his home, everything, his ships. And at the end, when they finally finished telling him all the bad news, it says... He bowed low and said, the Lord gave me everything I have and the Lord can take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, my God. And I thought to myself, when he went through this terrible adversity, what came out of him? Worship. Worship. Let me ask you, when you get cut by life, do you bleed worship or do you bleed bitterness? What is on the inside of your heart? What comes out when that adversity happens and someone says something or does something or hurts you? And you're angry and you're upset and you're mad. You can't believe they did that. Just consider, God has brought you purposefully tomorrow.
You, you mean God would do that? Absolutely he would. God would do whatever it took to cleanse your bitterness. Because bitterness will rot you from the inside and steal all the blessings of God. You see, bitterness is when we refuse to forgive. And if you don't believe the consequences of unforgiveness, all you have to do is read the end of Matthew 18. And he gave the parable, the story of the servant who would not forgive. And at the end, he said, throw that unworthy servant into prison to be tortured. And then the next verse says, so my heavenly father, this is Jesus speaking, so my heavenly father will do to you if you are not willing to forgive. That's powerful. Bitterness is deadly. And so the very first thing you have to see here, that God had a reason for bringing them to Mara. Just like God has a reason for some of the adversity in your life. That teacher that you believe hates you. You ever had a teacher that you just are convinced hates you and makes it hard on you more than anyone else? And ride your case. And you want to say, give me a break. Come on, pick on somebody else. I once had a teacher like that. And oh man, I, I, one time I asked him after class, I said, why is it you are always on my case? Nobody, you never do that to anybody else. He said, I see potential in you, Renee. So I'm going to be on you like a hound dog. He said, I'm not going to let up on you. And I thought, I wish you would not see potential. (laughs) Just give me a break, you know. Ease up. But you see, God wants to cleanse bitterness. So he's not going to ease up. He's not going to let you off the hook. God knows the devastating consequences A bitterness. And it's true. His people were not ready to go into the promised land. And he wanted to show them up front what was in their heart. And then it shows us how do we deal with that bitterness. The second thing. Our bitterness can only be dealt with by the cross of Jesus. Look, if you would, the next few verses there in Exodus 15. It says, then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water. And this made the water good to drink. It was there at Mar. The Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. Amazing. God looked ahead 4,000 years to the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the wood here is a picture and a type 
of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was God's way of saying to us, when you come up with this adversity, when you come to a place, those major pivotal events in your life, when you can be bitter or you can worship God, He is saying to you, you must apply the cross. It is the only antidote to bitterness. There is no other antidote. There is no other way to deal with bitterness. You can't just try harder. You can't say, well, I'm just going to be a better person. No, it doesn't work. The only thing that works is applying the cross. Now you say, okay, what does that mean? How do I apply the cross? Very simple. You remember the forgiveness that you received at the cross. You sinned against the holy God. God is willing to forgive you. And then you extend that same forgiveness to that perceived injustice. The same forgiveness you have received, you extend it to that person, to that situation, to that individual, to the group of people, whatever it is. Whatever is bringing that adversity, whatever's causing bitterness to rise up in you, whatever it is, whoever it is, you apply the cross. You say, Lord, I have been forgiven of much. You have been so good to me, and I did not deserve your forgiveness. I have not earned your forgiveness. I received it only by faith, not by works. So that way, you don't, you cannot, you can't demand that people do this and this and this in order to get your forgiveness. God didn't make any demands of you. Except that you would receive his forgiveness. It is grace. It is free. It's one of the hardest things in the world to forgive and not be bitter. It's the easiest thing in the world to just, man, I'd like to have them. Man, I, and, then, and then you just swallow it. You don't realize you're swallowing a pill of poison. And you don't realize at the time that now your inside is rotting. You don't realize it. But what he's showing us here, what a powerful picture. You apply the cross. You put the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ That has been applied to your life. You accept the cross. You say, Lord, I thank you for my forgiveness. I thank you that you've been gracious to me. I thank you that you have forgiven me of a debt that I could never pay. And because you have forgiven me, Lord, I now want to extend forgiveness to that person who hurt me. Who brought injustice in my life. Who spoke things that they shouldn't have spoken. Whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You extend the cross to others that has been extended to you. I want to encourage you today. You know, I I, I believe that whenever I talk about bitterness, God makes sure certain people are here. And I don't know your history. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what has happened to you. 
But I want to say to you that bitterness will destroy you. And then it brings up the third thing that's so important. That is, once bitterness is dealt with, God wants to heal you. You see that? Look at, let's look back at, at verse 26. It says, And he said, If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands and keeping all His decrees, then... I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now, I have good news about this, because it sounds pretty pretty tough here. You're going to have to walk right, you're going to have to talk right, you're going to have to follow the commands, and then God won't put those diseases that He put on the Egyptians, because that was fresh in their mind. All those things that happened in those ten plagues, that was in their mind. But I have good news for you. We've got a better covenant. He was dealing under the old covenant. The old covenant was the Abrahamic covenant. And they had to walk in God's ways, follow His commandments, do what was right, and then God would do this. I have good news for you. When He died on the cross for us, when Jesus died on the cross for us, He bore in His body the wounds at the cross, and by His stripes... We are healed. We are healed by His stripes. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. And this read verse 22 to 25. It says this. It says, He never sinned, He never ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when He was insulted, nor threaten revenge when He suffered. He left His case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in His body... On the cross, so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right, by His wounds, by His stripes, you are healed. Now, notice, I want to stop right there. He didn't say, if you do all the right things, and you obey this, and you obey... He didn't say, you do all that, and then you're healed. He just said, Jesus bore it all. He paid the price. Now, should we walk in His ways? Absolutely. But the terms of the new covenant is better than the terms of the old covenant. We are under a better covenant. The covenant of mercy and grace. And God wants to extend to you. And He wants you to know, I, and that last part of a verse uh, going back to Exodus, He said, I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. What is God saying? He said, listen, I want you to know me as a God who heals you. Now, under the Abrahamic covenant, they had to walk right. They had to do right. But under the new covenant, He wants you to know that Jesus paid the price for you to be healed. And when Jesus was beaten, He was beaten mercilessly. And a lot of people wonder why did he endure that. He did it to fulfill the scripture that by his stripes we would be healed. Fulfilling Isaiah 53. By his stripes we are healed. And so I want you to know, folks, God wants to be a God of healing in your life. But the order is important here. 
let God deal with the bitterness, then God can be a God of healing in your life. That truth and that order is still true. Why? Well, it's, it's really simple, and that is he paid the price at the cross for you to be healed, but bitterness has the ability to cancel out the healing power that God wants to flow in your life. Bitterness will drain you. It'll sap you dry. It'll turn you into a bitter, angry, mean person. You know, it's interesting. Bitterness, starting out, you don't see it on the inside, but you know, if you keep bitterness long enough, it'll actually affect your countenance. Your countenance should reflect the glory of God. And that doesn't mean you don't have to put a cheesy smile. I'm not talking about that. But your, your face and your countenance should glow with the glory of God to know that you are a forgiven, washed, blessed child of God. And there is joy in your heart. And you are excited about every day. And you're excited about Jesus. And that should get on your countenance. But here's the thing. Even Christians who have allowed the pill of poison of bitterness to... They swallowed it. And now it's eating away on the inside. That will actually begin to affect your countenance. It'll cause wrinkles, ladies. And men, it doesn't mean anything to men. We don't care. More wrinkles, the better, as far as we're concerned. But I'm telling you, bitterness will cause wrinkles. It'll, it'll give you a scowl on your face. And I once asked someone, I, I'm smarter than that now. Uh, but I asked once, I asked a lady, I said, lady, I, I, I didn't say lady, I asked her name. I said, why do you always look like you're angry? And if you're thinking about doing that, I want to encourage you not to do that. Because all it did was make her angry. Now she was angry that I had told her she looked angry. And she really was angry then. And so she didn't respond real well to that. But it was almost a couple of years later that I found out. She was a bitter person about something that had happened. And I wasn't surprised. She still held a grudge against someone. Something that had happened in her church years ago. She, she just kept it there. She wouldn't let it go. And that's the reason she looked angry. And she'd even say, praise the Lord, and look angry at the same time. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amazing. At every pivotal event in your life, you have to choose worship rather than bitterness. Remember I said you go through those pivotal events and those are choices that determine the direction of our life.
Well, I want to encourage you. Allow God to let you see the bitterness. Apply the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then allow God, once you've let him deal with your bitterness, let God be the God of healing in your life. And you can claim by his stripes, I am healed. It doesn't mean anything bad is not going to happen to you, but you can claim his healing power in your life. By his stripes, I am healed. And believe it, and God will be a God of healing in your life. The last thing I want to say to you through this story, God has a place of refreshing for you even in the wilderness. Look at verse 27. After leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled on to the oasis of Elim, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees. Of course, the palm trees had dates on them. They had plenty to eat. They camped there beside the water. The word Elim means plenty. The word Mara means bitterness. It's interesting and important that God moves them from bitterness to plenty. That's what God wants to do in your life. If you're camped at Mara today, he would like to bring you to Elim. He wants to bring you to a place of refreshing where there is plenty, everything that God has for you. He wants to bring you to that place where you are refreshed, where there is the water of the living power of the Holy Spirit flowing through your life. And there is plenty. And we're not just talking about money. We're talking about everything that you need. There's plenty. That's what God wants to do. But if you will not allow him to deal with the bitterness... You will never get to Elim. It won't happen. And I know some people, they've camped out at Mara. And you know what's amazing? I've even encouraged some people to let go of their bitterness. You know, I've actually had some people say to me, I don't want to let go of my bitterness. They like it. It's like a blanket. It's like a security blanket to them. They enjoy the anger, the, the argumentative, the judgmentalism, the critical spirit. They enjoy all that. It gives them something to live for. And if they did let go of one thing, it wouldn't be long. They'd be bitter about something else. They move from place to place, situation to situation, always angry, always bitter about something. And I just want to say to you, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. You know, I want to say this. Bitterness has what I call an unintended consequence. You see it in the book of Hebrews. It's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Interesting verse. Notice how it's phrased. Look after each other. 
so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Interesting. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up or springs up to trouble you. And then the clincher corrupting many. You say, well, how does that practically happen? What is it talking about? Well, let's say you're here today. You're a nice Christian. You carry your Bible in a holy way. You've got all the lingo down. And when you walk into church, everybody's convinced that you're as spiritual as they come. And as far as anyone is concerned, they think everything's fine. But deep down in your heart, for a while now, you've let bitterness eat away at you. And everything's fine until that day comes. And that day comes when somebody you're in conversation with, they bring up the subject or the person of your suppressed anger, of your perceived injustice. That comes up one day. And then all of a sudden, you didn't intend it. You didn't mean for it to happen. You would rather it not happen. But as soon as that subject comes up, here it comes. It sprung up. And when it does, it just pours out of you. And it has this potential. Catch the potential in 1215. It can cause you to fall short of the grace of God. And it can cause you to corrupt others. This is the problem with bitterness. When it does spring up, long as you hide it, it's just rotting you on the inside. You're the only one dying. But the difficulty is that once it springs up, once that subject comes up, once somebody brings up that person's name, and the venom starts coming out of you, now you begin infecting and corrupting others. Now you're guilty. You are guilty. Of causing other people to be infected with the same bitterness you have. You've transferred the poison. It's just like you're a viper and you bit them and put the same poison in them that is poisoning you. Folks, bitterness is too deadly and too costly. When I was praying this morning early, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and He said there would be some people here this morning that are bitter at God. And that that bitterness has kept you from ever surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. You're angry at God for something He did or He allowed to happen to you. 
Or maybe he allowed it to happen to a loved one of yours. I don't know. But he said that bitterness has kept you right on the edge. But you've never been willing to surrender because you're bitter at a God who loves you. He didn't want that to happen any more than you did. But bad things do happen because of the free will that we have. Bad things happen. People do terrible things and innocent people suffer. That's the truth. That's just the truth. Bad things happen. Innocent people suffer. God doesn't want it to happen, but it happens. And I want to encourage you today. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know who you are. I don't know what happened in your past. But if you're that person, I want to encourage you today to leave Mara. Put the cross. Put the cross to that situation. Apply the cross and be healed. Be healed. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. You don't want to afford the high cost of bitterness. This morning, the Holy Spirit wants to bring you to that place where you would release that anger and bitterness and resentment. He wants to bring you to a lean, to a place of plenty. He wants to reveal to you that He is a God who wants to heal you. He wants to be a God of healing. But what is holding things up is you've got to be willing to let go of your bitterness. And for some of you, you have not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. You've not been born again because you've been bitter at God. The worship team is going to begin to sing. And while they do, I'm going to invite you, I'm going to encourage you to come to the front. I want to pray with you. If you are willing to be set free from bitterness today, I want to pray with you to once and for all leave Mara and apply the cross of Jesus. I'm going to make you, ask you just to make your way out of your chair, come to the front, pray with me. There's some things in your heart you need to let go of. If you want to be healed, if you want to know God as a God of healing, I encourage you to do it. Would you make your way down to the front? Let me pray with you. Hallelujah, Yes. Come on. Hallelujah, Come on. Anybody? Yes, come on. It's time. It's time. Come on. Praying that God would release you. God would release you from that bitterness. I don't know what it is about or what concern, but today I want to encourage you to let go. God wants to be a God of healing in your life. He wants to bring you to that place of plenty, but you have to be willing to say, Lord, 
Change my heart. Change my heart, oh God. Would you come today? Say, Lord, here I am. I'm tired of living it, Laura. I'm tired of living that place where I'm angry and upset and mad. Today is one of those pivotal events in your life. Today is a crossroads. Today is a day where you say, no more. I'm not living at Mara any longer. I'm not going to taste the bitterness of Mara. Lord, I want to apply the cross of the Lord Jesus. And I want to be set free, Lord. with those at the front but maybe there's some others you didn't make it down here you want to pray with us I encourage you to do so and I don't know what the injustice the hurt is about but it doesn't really matter we're going to let go of it and once and for all Allow God to cleanse the bitterness in our heart. Hallelujah. Raise your hands before the Lord. It's an act of surrender. Let's pray it out loud. Heavenly Father, I repent, O Lord, of the bitterness of my heart. You have forgiven me. You've been gracious to me. Lord, I give that same mercy, that same forgiveness to the people who have hurt me, who disappointed me. Lord, I extend your forgiveness to them. I apply the cross to this situation, to that person. I forgive them. I release them. They are in your hands, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the cross of the Lord Jesus. You have forgiven me, and I choose, Lord, to forgive them. Thank you, Lord. I want you to be a God of healing in my life. I want to be completely whole, completely healed in the name of Jesus. By His stripes, I am healed. Thank you, Lord. I am healed. Thank you, Lord, for being a God of healing in my life. Thank you, Father. And Lord Jesus, when that situation comes up again, I choose, Lord, to worship and thank you. I will not bring it up again. I will not let that bitterness enter back in. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.